Welcome to Canoe Creek Christian Church's podcast. Our mission is to help others connect with Christ, grow together, and go share Jesus with their world. We are located at 4080 Pine Tree Drive. Our services are Sunday morning at 8.30, 10 o'clock, and 11.30 a.m. You can also find our services online through Facebook and YouTube. Thanks for listening today. I'm the author of Core 52, and I've heard about you, that you guys are going to be engaging in this year-long program to raise your Bible IQ. Man, I'm thrilled about that. And it's not just that we want you to get into God's Word, or even that we want God's Word to get into you. We want God's Word to come out of you, where you live, work, and play. We believe that you were the pastors of your home, the pastors of your, of your team, of your school, of your work. And we want you to be fully equipped to share the truths of God that are transformative for people's lives. Here's what we know. We know, not guessing, we know. The single most powerful spiritual discipline for your growth to go further faster in your faith is reading God's word four times a week or more. They call that being Bible engaged. And when you are, The stats of your life are staggeringly different. Drunkenness drops by 60%. Sexual immorality drops by 59%. Gambling, 45%. And it's not because of a legalism. Like you're guilting people into being good. No. The truth of God will raise your self-esteem because it tells you who you are in God's eyes. That's why isolation drops by 30%. Positive self-image raises by 30%. Forgiveness raises by 30%. And that's why our lives get better. So we're excited to hear the stories of change in your life. But more importantly, we're excited to hear the stories of people's lives who are changed because God's Word is coming out of you. God bless you on your journey. If you want to find out more about Core 52, get involved in God's Word over the course of 2021, or get involved in a group that's going to be studying Core 52 together, God's Word together, and take a look at the information at the table in the back on your way out this morning. Uh, This morning's Christmas scripture reading is in Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. Would you join with me there in your Bibles? Or you can jump over in the Bible app on your phone and follow along there as well. Uh, This morning, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25 is what we will read together this morning. All right, this is what we read. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, He had a mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are going to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill What the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. This is God's word. I don't know about you, but I hate missing out on things. I mean, I don't know that anybody likes missing out on something. For me, it's mostly surf. I hate missing out on good surf. I follow on Instagram about five or six guys who uh, surf around the state, and so they're always posting pictures, whether it's St. Augustine, Jacksonville, to South Florida. The problem is, is that's all they do. They don't have real jobs. So, like, they're always in just the right place at just the right time. I'm, I'm seeing these perfect pictures going, man, I missed out again. But it could be a family event. It could be just uh, some time with friends. It could be a, a loved one coming into town and for some reason you're not able to see them or, or something like that, right? Um, I, I know I had one of my children would always hold out until the last second to make a decision because they were afraid something better might come along and they didn't want to miss out, right? Maybe you were still like that. Uh, we don't like to miss out. And when the stakes are even higher, when it's something so much more significant, even much more so, missing out can cause us to feel... Uh, very concerned or discouraged or disappointed, so to speak. Uh, This is true in a couple of biblical sense uh, when in terms of missing out with God. Uh, Luke chapter 16, there's a story about this man who's referred to as the rich man and then another guy named Lazarus. And well, the, the rich man has missed out on divine appointments day after day, week after week to trust in God and be on mission with God, and so when when his time on earth is done, he doesn't find himself in the presence of God. He finds himself removed from the presence of God, which is missing out in a big way. Look at look at how this plays out in Luke sixteen verse twenty five. He talks to Abraham for help, and Abraham replied, "Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he's comforted here, and you're in agony." Well, there's another person who misses out in this way as well. It's one of the thieves on the cross. And we see that as he is a person who's taken his life and not used it in a way that he can to glorify God and missed out on divine appointment day in and day out. And having been exposed for his crimes, crucified for his crimes, he's bitter and he's angry. And from the cross, we read this. One of the criminals who hung there, he hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Listen, nobody likes to miss out, uh, but everyone who misses out on the plan of God, or even worse, the salvation of God, uh, I can't even begin to imagine what that kind of disappointment is like. And here's the reality about this story that we read. is Joseph was very close to missing out on the plan of God. I mean, he was in a pivotal moment where he was faced with a very difficult situation. He could have gone left, he could have gone right, you know. In one way, he would have completely missed out on this divine appointment opportunity to be blessed, to be a part of this amazing plan that God was putting forward to him. And on the other hand, could have been going the other direction, you know what I'm saying? And, and here's the thing, his disappointment and his discouragement about what was happening was leading him to a place of doubt. And that's no different than us. We get discouraged, we disappointed about circumstances, situations. It can build doubt in our hearts, doubt about a variety of things, and especially doubt about God, doubt about our faith. But here's what Joseph chose to do. He chose to exchange his doubts about the, the pregnancy of his wife-to-be for faith in what God was telling him. 
faith in the Word of God and trust in the Word of God. And so I want to look at this story and think about it this way as it applies to us. We can be connected to God and the plan He has for our lives when we choose to exchange our doubts for faith. We can bring His presence into our life more. We can be more connected with Him when we choose to, to take the doubts that we may have about certain things. Does God care about me? Is God going to show up here? Is this going to work out okay? To put our faith and trust in Him that He does care for us. He will bring about things in our lives that are blessings. He will bring us through difficult situations as well as increase the blessed situations that we have in our lives as well. But we have to make a choice to exchange the doubts that we have for faith and trust in Him. So here's what we're going to do. Three sets of three. Uh, Three things that caused Joseph to doubt are the same three things that bring about doubt in our life. Three reasons why Joseph changed his mind, and then three types of doubt, all right? Why was Joseph doubting? Number one, unmet expectations. Every single one of us in this room knows exactly what it feels like to have an expectation and for it not to be met, and we start to doubt. Maybe we doubt our spouse, maybe we doubt kids, maybe we doubt a parent, maybe we doubt a coworker, a friend, whatever. Or it's funny how people who don't even believe in God all of a sudden start believing in God when their expectations aren't met. You know why I say that? Because it's at that point that they want to start blaming God for everything. I'm like, wait a minute, I thought you didn't believe in God, but now you want to blame him for everything. This is typically something that we can do or we see society or individuals do when their expectations are not met. I mean, you know, we can press that blame onto somebody really close to us, but if it's just some weird situation, we go all the way to the top with it, right? And start to express our doubt in God. Well, Joseph's no different than us. His experience may have been different, but the way he processed his doubt and his struggle is the exact same in the way that you process it, I process it, we process it. And unmet expectations is a big issue. I remember many years ago, um, I, I, sh- I had this one Christmas where I woke up and everything was awesome, you know, like had gifts all the way from the living room out into the garage and out into the yard, and it was great, had a blast. Well, between that year and the following year, somebody in my family lost their job. So the next Christmas, I had all these expectations set by the previous Christmas, and it was just miserable, to say the least. And I was a kid, you know, and so I tried to manage it as best as I could, so on and so forth. But I love what Jen Hatmaker calls this. She calls it in her blog that she writes, uh, Big Day Sabotage. Whether it's Christmas, birthdays, or something, sometimes we create expectations that are just un reasonable. We create expectations in our mind that sabotage our opportunities to experience the real blessings of life. And sometimes we do this because of unmet expectations. Now, this is not what Joseph expected. I would imagine that you have things in your life that you did not expect them to take place or to be where you're at right now. But the reality of it is, is it can bring doubt and it can cause us to struggle just like it caused Joseph to. Unwanted or unacceptable outcomes was the second reason why he was doubting. This is just unreal. This is just surreal. His wife-to-be tells him, I'm pregnant, but it's okay. <laughs> it was a Holy Spirit. It's easy for us to say, to, well, you know, you got an angel shows up and all that, so, so you should know. It's, yeah, accept it, believe it. Okay, then let me apply that to all of us. Take whatever surreal moment in your life that just doesn't seem real. It's an unexpected or unacceptable outcome, 
and just accept it, right? It, it doesn't work that way in our lives. It's hard. We struggle with it. And so he has this unacceptable outcome. It's very surreal in his life to where, you know, put it yourself in a place to where you get the test results from the doctor, you get the phone call, and you're like, this can't be happening. And so doubt starts to come in. We start to wrestle with the details, and we think there's no way anything good can actually come out of this difficult situation. I mean, think about the people close to him. Think about Joseph's friends. Look, don't do it. There's nothing good that can come out of this. Think about people in the town. There's nothing good that can come out of this. And yet, the best thing that ever happened to this world came out of it. I think all of us are sitting there at some point in time and we have some sort of outcomes that are just unacceptable to us and we struggle with it. And it could be that you look back on your life and there's a series of outcomes like that that have caused you to build, build walls in your life, caused you to create distance between people, maybe even distance from God. Uh, there's one individual who experienced this in their life as well. His name was Miles Finch. You remember he was an angry elf. Uh, if you haven't watched the movie yet, what are you waiting for? It's, 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 tis the season to watch Elf, right? One of the funny scenes in the movie where Miles Finch is in this office and, and uh, Will Ferrell comes in and he calls him an elf over and over again and finally Miles Finch gets angry and he jumps up on the table and he runs across the table and he drop kicks Will Ferrell on the chest with two feet, right? Over the years, you know, Miles Finch obviously had, had been treated in a certain way and he'd created a, a, just a heart of resentment and anger and callousness uh, because of these various unacceptable outcomes that had happened to him in his life. It, these kinds of things can create doubt that happened with Joseph. Maybe it's happened with you. And it could be the third thing that created doubt in Joseph's life as well was overwhelming circumstances. He, he stood to lose significantly in the scope of the world, in the way the world sees things. Here's, here's what would happen. He was going to completely cut himself off from his town if he chose to marry uh, Mary. If he chose to move forward with the marriage, he would be completely cut off from his town. That means he's cut off from all of his business relationships, all means of finances, uh, he's he's going to lose his standing as a righteous man, which we'll talk about in just a minute. So there's so many things he stands to lose, and, and these are just overwhelming circumstances. And here's what happens when overwhelming circumstances come into our lives. We begin to doubt. We begin to doubt that God can work in this moment. So maybe I just need to use uh, the tools of the world. Maybe I'll be deceptive. Maybe I'll manipulate. Maybe I'll just intoxicate myself to try and numb down the reality of the world, whatever it may be. There, there's all kinds of things that we'll turn to rather than putting our faith and our trust in God uh, because that's what doubt does. It, it, it drives a wedge between us and God. We start to try and manage things on our own rather than put our faith and our trust in Him. So here's, here's what we want to turn to now. Three things. Why did he change his mind? Well, the first one, he had a dream. He had a dream. An angel showed up and said, hey, listen, don't be afraid. Now, how many of us would dismiss that? 
I know that in a room with this many people in it, there are many of you in here who've had thoughts in your mind for many years thinking, man, I should do this. I want to do this. If I do this, it would help glorify God in my life. But you think that's a crazy dream or that's a crazy idea or whatever it may be. All right? And maybe it's been years that you've been thinking about that. You just don't have the courage to do it or whatever it may be. What if you had a dream tonight where an angel shows up in your dream and says, hey, that thought you've had for all those years, God really wants you to engage in that. How many of us would wake up in the morning and sell everything or whatever it is that it takes to do that based on that dream? See, it's really easy to apply these things to Joseph, saying, well, yeah, it was for him and it made sense. But when it really comes to us and making it personal, it's easy for us to dismiss things. But it was no different from him, for him. It says when he woke up. This man's asleep and he has a dream. It would have been easy, just as easy for him to dismiss this dream as it would be for any of us to dismiss something like this in our lives. And here's what the reality of it is, is we have something greater than a dream. We have something greater than angels to display God's word for us and the power and presence that he wants in our lives. In fact, you remember that story I alluded to, the rich man and Lazarus. Well, as he's trying to talk to Abraham to get out of the situation he's found himself in where he's missed out on not only the plan of God, but the salvation of God as well. He tells him, well, listen, he tells Abraham, send somebody back to warn my brothers. And look at how that plays out. He says, no, Father Abraham, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they'll repent, they'll change, they'll reconsider. And then Abraham said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. What a great statement. That is from the prophets of God all the way to Christ the King, his death, burial, and resurrection. God has declared to us something significant, something essential to help encourage and embolden our truth. God put a landmarker in history and time, the presence of his son on this earth so that we could have confidence, move away from doubt, move in the direction of faith. Now, it's not just simply this dream, though, that motivates Joseph to change his mind. It's also God's Word. Think about it. Uh, the Holy Spirit had done amazing things in the history of Joseph's people, and he knew this, but in the whirlwind of these overwhelming circumstances and difficult situation and getting this unreal news, it just, I mean, he's kind of numb to that. But through this dream, he's reminded of what God has done in power through the presence of his spirit with God's people. And he's thinking, well, okay, if he could have done that, he could, he could cause my wife-to-be to be pregnant and the son of God could be born and so on and so forth. But even beyond that, he began to quote, the angels quoted scripture, God's word, to reaffirm the promise of God uh, to Joseph. L listen to some of the things he said. Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. This is the scripture that the angel is quoting to Joseph to remind him of the promise of God's word, the power of God's word. Isaiah 9, 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Isaiah 8, 10. Devise your strategy, but it will be thwarted. Propose your plan, but it will not stand, for God is with us. So this is what the angel is encouraging Joseph to see. Remember God's word. It's always faithful. It's always true. It's always greater and able to dismiss the doubts that we have. And this is the third thing that caused Joseph to change his mind, the truth. 
This is one thing we know about Joseph. You know, it's interesting. We know so little about the, the, the father, the bio, not the biological father, but the, 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 you know, the father who cared for uh, Jesus on this earth. We know so very little about him, but one thing that we know about him that's very true, he was a righteous man. This isn't just a word or an idea that's thrown out there. This is, without a doubt, you know, a, an essential truth about his life, and it's displayed. Here's a man who just found out that his wife-to-be is pregnant, and it says that he chose not to disgrace her publicly. Man, that is a man who is not petty. He's not self-centered. He is, as the text says, a righteous man. And as a righteous man, he is in search of the truth. He was a man willing to be subjected to and changed by the truth even when it was hard. Here's the thing. A righteous man, a righteous woman will be willing to throw themselves against the truth, recognizing the truth is going to change me. I'm not going to change it. And accept that outcome. And that's exactly what we see in the life of Joseph. Now, three kinds of doubts. We see that there's the doubt that keeps us from faith. I don't have a lot of time here, but Matthew 13, uh, Jesus gives us a parable of the sower and talks about how, why some people don't come to faith and struggle with that. But let me just give you Luke 16, where there's three different parables of the coin, the sheep, and the two sons. There's a lost coin, which signifies the idea that sometimes people don't come to faith because of carelessness. There's a lost sheep that has a wandering heart. Then there's one one of the two lost sons who has a lustful heart. You know, if you don't have faith in God, my question would be, where do you fit? Is it carelessness? I just don't really care. Not really paying attention to life. Is it wandering about? Is it a lustful issue? You know, th these are ideas of why some people don't come to faith, and there can be more, certainly, but that's one type of doubt. There's a doubt that gives us a false faith. This is the one that scares me the most, to be honest with you, especially in our culture. It's basically a faith where I want to believe in God, and I'm going to do it on my own terms. It goes exactly against what Paul warned the church not to do. Don't accept another gospel that's no gospel at all. And yet our culture that we live in has become exceptional at creating a variety of ideas about the gospel that's not really the gospel that gives us control over how we come to trust and believe in Jesus or follow God. And at the end of the day, here's the truth about Jesus Christ. He is the king. You don't, you don't come to a king and lay out your terms of how you serve, how you follow, or how you accept. You throw yourself against the truth and you allow the truth to form you as it's going to. And this is the one that concerns me the most because I think that uh, we have far too many people in our culture that's placing their faith in their own type of gospel rather than throwing themselves against the truth. 
This is where we see the other son. You know, there's those two sons in that one parable, the one who's lost for a season of time because of his lustful heart. But it's the other son, the good son, that we never really find out what his fate is. He's the good son, does everything the way that he's supposed to do it. Uh, he's the son who lived for himself, though. He wanted life on his own terms. He submitted to the father in part and in peace in order to control the father and try and have control over his life and have his own way. In my opinion, there's more older brothers in our culture than there are youngers. That we've created a gospel within our culture where we kind of manipulate and change things to be as we would desire for them to be. And this is the kind of doubt that's, that's built really on a false faith, which is a concern. There's, there's one last doubt, and I think that that applies to the majority of us. I think it applies to Joseph. I think it applies to those of us in this room for, for the most part. That's a doubt that limits my faith in God. That is, I believe in God. I, I trust that he is the God of the universe, that he sent his son, Emmanuel, God with us, and we celebrate that during the Christmas season. But there are things in my life, there's situations in my life, there's difficulties in my life where sometimes I choose the world's tools versus God's uh, faith in God, where I, I, I bring myself to a place of doubt and I, and I don't, don't really take that moment to have that divine appointment with God and that opportunity to trust him and to follow him. And I think that's something that we struggle with. This is the kind of doubt that we see here in Joseph. This is the kind of doubt that many of us struggle with. And it's a kind of doubt where we forget the power of God's spirit and the promise of God's word, which is the nudge that Joseph got to get back on track and, and not miss this divine appointment that God had given to him. So let me ask you, which one are you? Do you need to surrender your doubts for faith and trust that God is real and wants to be present with you? Uh, do you need to a come to Jesus meeting is what I like to call it. Where you've built your life on whatever it is that you believe you want the gospel to be. And you need that to be pulled out from underneath you like sand as a foundation to where it may not be fun. But at least it will get you to a place where you know what the truth is. And you start surrendering to the truth rather than trying to manipulate the truth for your own good. And the third one, do you just need a nudge in the right direction to remember how powerful God's presence and promises are in your life? Well, let me just kind of wrap up with mentioning the second thief on the cross. There's Jesus, there's two thieves on the cross. And at the end of it all, we see how gracious God is. And even though this thief on the cross had missed the divine appointment of God to live a life that glorified him in every day and every moment, he reaches out to Christ right there in the last moment. And Jesus graciously says that you'll be with the presence of the Father. You'll be with me in paradise this very day. Listen to what it says. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said. Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him. Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Here's the interesting part of that story. If you read the Gospels in harmony, it's my strong opinion that you'll see that both 
thieves were insulting Jesus when all of this started. That both of them were kind of lockstep on their anger, their bitterness, their resentment. Because it talks about these insults coming in a plural sense in some of the other gospel accounts. I don't know when, I don't know why. I can only imagine that at some point as this thief was watching how Jesus was responding to the people, how he was responding to his own situation, how he was dealing with what was going on and some of the things that he said, that this thief came to recognize that this man is the Son of God. He is the King of the kingdom. And all I can do is surrender to him. And that's exactly what he did. He chose to exchange his doubts for faith in who Jesus is. Maybe you need to do that in a big way because you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It may be that you've already had or in the middle of or you're looking at a come to Jesus meeting that you're not even sure about yet to where all that you know to be true is going to be shaken and cause you to really wonder who you are and where is God in your life. And maybe you just need a nudge because you got something going on and you're not sure how you can trust in God regarding this situation or circumstances or things that are happening in your life. You just need to be reminded of his powerful presence to those who believe and his promise in his word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to worship you this morning, Lord, and to read your word to sing songs, to pray, to give you glory for who you are. We recognize you as the creator of all the universe. We recognize your son as the king of your eternal kingdom. And Lord, we just pray that you would help us to um, surrender our lives and trust you more, to surrender our doubts and place our faith in you. Believe that you can do big things even when everything around us seems like it's not going to work out. Lord, we just ask that you would help us to live with that kind of a heart so that we don't miss any divine appointments that you place before us and that the blessings that you bring into our lives would overflow to others as a result, that you would give us strength and steadiness in the midst of struggles and that you would help us display that we glorify you in all things because of the power of your word, the promise of your word, and the presence that you've given to us through your spirit. So, Lord, we just ask that you would help us to trust that so that as we dismiss doubt and increase faith, it would not only be a blessing in our lives, but it would be a blessing to those around us in our world and so that we could be for our, our friends, our family, our loved ones, and our community. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.